Welcome to Canvas Conversations on the Not the Artist podcast from Grant Memorial Church. Hello, friends, and welcome here to Canvas Conversations. Uh, In this weekly show that we're putting out through the summer, we are having conversations. The host team and I are getting together each week to talk about world news, global events, cultural conversations uh, from our perspective as Christian young adults. I'm joined here by our wonderful host team, but I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. And how they're going to do that is by giving us a few names based on specific combinations. And you'll see what I mean in a moment. Let's begin with you, friend. What is your movie star name? This is your middle name followed by the name of the street you grew up on. So let's start with you. So my middle name is Janai. Uh-huh. And I grew up on two streets. Okay. What was the first street? The very first street. So it's Cathedral. Oh, (laughs) so your movie star name is Janai Cathedral. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. I like that. Okay, cool. I don't know if any can be top now. Mine is uh, Anne Ruby. Anne Ruby. That feels like a 1940s, like... Probably was a name. Starlet. Like, yeah, (laughs) that's good. Anne Ruby. Mine would be Zachary King Street. (laughs) Oh, Zachary King. (laughs) Zachary King. (laughs) Mine is Robert Belvedere. Wow, Which, that, that sounds, sounds legit. legit. Robert yeah. Belvedere feels like someone who would have starred alongside Anne Ruby. Yeah, I was about to say that. The sequel to Gone with the Wind or something <laughs> like that. Okay, the next one is your rock star name. So this is, you have to pick one of your siblings. It's their middle name and then your current make of car. So my rock star name is Allard Spark, <laughs> which is a great rock star name. Uh, mine would be Alexander Sonata. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Alexander, that feels more like a classical musician than a rock star. Yeah. But not bad. Diana Durango. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Diana Durango. I love that. That's amazing. That's definitely, that's like an 80s rock star name. Like Diana Durango is that sounds, fronting like she'd be a drummer though. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Mine would be Braden Cobalt. These are all pretty good. I like that one. Okay, next one. What is your... We'll start with you, Matt. What is your detective name? So this is your favorite animal followed by your favorite color. Wow. So I'll give you an example. Mine is Bear Blue. (laughs) (laughs) Bear Blue, detective. I I don't really know if I have a favorite animal. What's an animal you really like? I really like dogs. That's cute. (laughs) Any specific kind of dog? Okay, a German Shepherd. So, what's your favorite color? <laughs> purple. No, it's not. Is it really? Dog purple? Yeah, it is. What the heck? <laughs> no, that's illegal. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait. <laughs> your favorite? Wow. I feel like I'm being attacked. No, I don't have any. I personally love that choice. So, what would be so what shepherd purple or? German shepherd purple. Or like dog purple. I don't know if I understand this one very well. I am so rattled that your favorite color is purple Wait, why i love I, purple no there's nothing wrong with that it's not you're surprised you don't own anything i purple. don't wear purple i guess i don't see you wear or nothing you've never talked about what's purple? your favorite color oh blue, blue. your car's yeah, blue you definitely wear, wear blue yeah yeah okay okay 
German purple. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Be careful, Val. I'm being hypercritical of your favorite colors. These ones are weird. Stingray green. Like stingray I green. Like mm-hmm. Very nice. Wait, stingray? <laughs> <laughs> no, those are both normal. I support that. Just wow. not yours. Just not yours, Matt. <laughs> okay, one more. I don't know my favorite animal. What's wow. an animal you really like? I like my dog, and it's a Shih Tzu. So Shih Tzu blue. <laughs> Dude, that. <laughs> Detective name, Shitsu Blue. I think it's kind of a detective name. I feel name. like Blue is a common. Blue I just like how you guys are like. I like my dog. <laughs> I love my dog. That's the only animal I see every day. Bear Blue is a good one too. Bear, Bear Blue, Blue wins. Sh- you win that and, round, yep. hands down. Very good. Okay, last one. This is uh, yeah. what. Dom listened to these in his head. He's like, oh, mine would be bear blue. Yeah, I'm going to say it because it sounds good. <laughs> Can't wait till Matt just messes uh, everything up. I, I didn't I didn't set you up for that because I did not know your favorite color was purple. <laughs> I've told you before. No, you oh, haven't. The you've never, you've <laughs> never talked about purple once in your life, and now you can't <laughs> shut up about it. <laughs> I wish you guys could Maddie's see. Maddie's wearing a purple dress right now. For those who, I realize podcasts are not a visual medium, yeah. but dear listener, if you can just imagine Maddie's wearing a purple dress and Matt is very Diana Durango Diana Durango (laughs) decked out in purple okay Uh, okay last question what is your hippie name now here's what this one is it's what you ate for breakfast followed by your favorite tree so mine is nothing pine (laughs) which kind of feels like a hippie who's like questioning his existence just going through something this is so hard who has a favorite tree favorite (laughs) like what (laughs) honestly yeah you don't have a favorite kind of tree am i 40 and designing my future (laughs) cabin landscape no Come oh, on. Okay. Really like the pines just around pick, here. Just pick a tree. Give me a sec. What did I eat for breakfast? What'd you eat for breakfast? Um, I got up this morning <laughs> and I did not eat breakfast at home, but when I got to work, oh, I had cinnamon toast. C- like cinnamon raisin so toast. So let's just go cinnamon. Oh, yeah. what's a tree like? Oh, he's cinnamon a stripper name. Cinnamon oak. <laughs> cinnamon pine. That feels like a great hippie. That feels like one of those trees that you have on the, in, yeah. like the air freshener. Okay, moving on. Oh, God. Banana birch. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just going with whatever goes to the first one. Oh, yeah. All of mine. Oh, no. I guess not the first one. Diana Durango. And banana birch. And banana birch. That sounds uh, weird. Chicken McGriddle Aspen. What? You had that for breakfast? Wait, and Aspen is no, a I had tree? a chicken McGriddle yesterday, but I didn't want to be the same as Dom and go with nothing. So in this episode, we are having conversations. And today we have two uh, that we're going to be talking about as a host team. Uh, the first one, unfortunately, does have to do with COVID-19. As I said last week, we are trying to steer clear of COVID. Everyone's tired of hearing about it. But yesterday, the CBC published a report that specifically addressed young adults. And so I thought it would be interesting for us to bring. Uh, so yesterday, the CBC published this report that showed that over a few provinces where COVID-19 cases are continuing to rise, they are, as of recently, disproportionately affecting young people, 18 to 30-year-olds. Uh, younger age groups now make up a higher percentage of positive tests, while older age groups are falling overall. And I thought it was interesting because in this report, they attribute this rise in COVID cases in young adults to two things. They called it lockdown fatigue 
and invincibility. Just for context, we're here in Manitoba. I'm sure most of you listening are as well. And although we still are being very careful and taking precautions, I feel like a lot has opened up here compared to other provinces. Uh, So I wouldn't even necessarily think that we're in lockdown anymore. At least I wouldn't think that I am. But when we were, I'm thinking late March into April, tell me really quick, let's go around the table. What What was your lockdown like? Did you, was it, for some people it was a positive experience. For some it was hard. What was it like for you guys? I just did at home, but that's because I wanted to see Maddie. And then, and then, cause yeah, but then I, I, we didn't see me and Maddie didn't see each other for like two months almost and being engaged and not seeing each other for two months was hard. So it wasn't, it was just sadness, lockdown sadness. Hmm. Right. So for you, it wasn't necessarily a positive experience. Not really. Okay. Fair enough. Hmm. Okay. Other than that, it wasn't bad. <laughs> Well, and if you don't mind me saying, yeah. Maddie, your family was a little bit more yeah. careful yeah. Um, than, I mean, we're all being careful, but mm-hmm. because of your brother, I think mm-hmm. you guys were being a little extra cautious. Yeah. Um, so my brother's immune compromised. Comp- yeah, immunocompromised. Um, we have older grandparents living with us and my dad's a part of the fire department with Winnipeg. So it's just like one after the other of reasons that we had to be more cautious. Right. Um, and it was a good thing. Like, I know obviously not seeing... Matt was hard and not seeing friends was hard but if I were to look back and look at it from a more holistic perspective it was a really good chance to um, soak up some time with my family that I don't think I would have otherwise taken Um, so I appreciated that time me and Ellie did lots of sleepovers it was really fun Mm -hmm. Um, there's yeah there's something about like I wouldn't choose it but it was still a good thing and there was good things that came out of it, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like I said, not seeing Matt was like the worst part, but then to know that we got that time with family or um, my work actually changed for the better over COVID. So there was a couple things that, I don't know, like things grew out of it and it, it was, it was a good. You enjoyed it. I, yeah. You enjoyed Which it. Which is, I feel bad. Like, yeah, it's not a good thing. But. Right. And, and it's, if that's fair. And I've talked to a lot of people who feel that way too, that mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was difficult. There totally. was uncertainty, fear, especially in the beginning mm-hmm. when people were losing jobs and yeah. we're all kind of going, am I next? Like and that's unknown, right? For sure. Yeah. But I do think over time people started realizing, man, I have more flexibility mm-hmm. and free time and downtime than maybe I've had in years. Mm-hmm. Now that's a hard thing to celebrate when people yeah. are losing jobs, people yep. are getting sick, economy is crashing, but I think it's fair to say that for certain people, I think many of us, uh, there were some silver linings, let's say, out of it for sure. What about you, Colin? Oh, it was awful. (laughs) Okay. For you, it was not a positive. It was brutal. Um, So yeah, for those of you who don't know, um, I was out in Brandon for school. And so my weekends were the times I got to see people that I knew because I'm in a class of 13. Like I don't really know anybody in the class. Um, But like, yeah, all the people that I grew up with all my friends I'd see them on the weekends but when COVID hit it was like after uh, two two to three weeks span of me being in Brandon and then I got the email that I'm going home and then I was just home for two months and I was just pretty much moved everything I had into my room in Winnipeg in my parents house which was quite the change like from one day being in Brandon to now living in Winnipeg but it didn't feel like I ever left Brandon I still felt like I was in isolation of everything because I was in isolation and yeah I didn't see anybody I would roll out of bed 
get into my Google class, just sit there with my headphones on and wait <laughs> a couple hours and then take off my headphones and not have anything to do. And like, mm. yeah, it was just a really crappy time and I didn't feel productive through it. Um, I started helping out the church with all their videos and editing and volunteering in that way. But yeah, I was just locked in the same room and I was probably like total quarantine for like, I'd say a good month or two, like during the whole school process. For sure. Yeah. And that was like days on end without like leaving my house. And so, yeah, like driving for me is like big and I couldn't do that anymore. Sure. <laughs> like there was no reason to. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, no, it was bad time. Our next topic is about Christians and popular culture. I'm going to set this up for us, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, recently, I think it's fair to say we've seen a significant movement in popular culture in the last couple of years, uh, especially in music towards Christianity in a positive way. Uh, in the last few years, a number of popular artists have publicly expressed their faith and how important, uh, for example, their relationship with Jesus is to them. Uh, and they've done this both in interviews and through even the music they make. So just two examples here. Um, in the last couple of years, Justin Bieber has become a lot more outspoken about his faith. And he often reposts or retweets uh, popular pastors in the U.S. He's also led worship in the last couple of years at both Judah Smith's church, but also at the Coachella Music Festival, <laughs> which was very strange for so many reasons. That's a headline I don't think I ever thought would exist, uh, mm -hmm. not just because it's Justin Bieber, but also because it's Coachella. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the big example is Kanye West. Uh, and he has publicly expressed uh, in no uncertain terms that he's become a Christian and that he claims he will only create Christian music from now on. Um, and this journey seems to have begun a couple years ago when he began performing and touring with his Sunday service choir, uh, which is a gospel music collective that has played uh, in churches and in music festivals around the U.S. In 2019, as I'm sure many of you know, he released an album called Jesus is King, which I thought was okay. Matt thought it was great. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, you loved it. I thought it was like a <laughs> 7 out of 10. Uh, and just a few weeks ago, he released a new track called Wash Us in the Blood <laughs> with Travis Scott. And here's what struck me about this song. I don't think I ever imagined in my life, and this isn't a, we're not disparaging anyone's character here, but I never in my life thought I would listen to a song where Travis Scott repeats the line, Holy Spirit, come down, like 12 times in a row. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come down. Oh, that's such a good song. It's a great song, yeah. but but that just goes to show Christianity or Christian faith is making a huge impact right now in, in popular music. Um, and that's pretty new for the most part. Like Christians have always been making music, but for it to be this mainstream is really interesting. Um, but this resurgence of celebrities claiming to be Christians, uh, I think it's fair to say it's led to criticism as Christians, especially with Kanye West, have questioned the authenticity of their faith especially considering their controversial pasts, uh, mm. their behavior, their lyrics, uh, et cetera. And some, but on the other hand, some Christians believe that this is good for the church and good for the gospel. I think some people have this mentality of, oh, great, now they're on our team. Uh, and so this is kind of dividing people with some thinking it's a really good thing, others thinking it's all just being done as a publicity stunt. So what do you guys think of this movement of these popular artists coming out and saying they're Christians. I'll say right off the top, we're not in any position to judge 
whether that's true or not, in, in my opinion, we have to take them at their word. If they say, I love Jesus and want a relationship with him, that's all I can say too. <laughs> so I'm not sitting here going, I don't think that's true, but it is an interesting trend and an interesting conversation. What do you guys think about it? Yeah, I think where people get scared, um, one, the older generation is that their generation grew up as rap as sin. And a lot of these <laughs> artists are like in the pop scene and rap scene. And so they're like, oh, that's impossible. Um, or there's that mentality behind their uh, opinion. But also in the younger generation and throughout the church, I find it's it's hard to first trust them. Um, not because like we're judging their character. It, it's really easy to point out things in their past and say, oh yeah, they can't be a Christian. But like you can point out things in my past and that's say right. I'm not a Christian. Yeah, if we're holding up behavior as a measure for christian faith then none of us pass right that's the whole point of christianity right right. but where it gets interesting is where you have somebody like kanye who's so prophetically spoken about how god has this massive plan for how he's put him into a position of money and power and influence and how he's going to use him to make a revolution um it's it's just when you see something like that and you know, the character of God in the Bible and like you start to compare things like Jesus didn't come as a big King. Right. He came as a child, as a, as a baby who grew, uh, was born into a like manger in a barn. Mm -hmm. Like, so you start to look at things like that and it's like, okay, sure. You might be getting these messages from somewhere, but can we trust that they're God? Because what, what you do with your own life and what, what your relationship with God is up to you. Yep. But once it starts impacting other people, like somebody else's faith story becomes Kanye led me to Christ. What, where, where is he coming from? What, what theology, all that stuff. Okay. Yep. So you're saying your concern is less about whether Kanye himself, that's between him and God, yeah, what he, his relationship yeah. with God looks like, but you're talking more about influence. Mm-hmm. Yes. The potential influence that these people have on the millions of people who listen to them, at least their music, uh, and maybe some of their theology is at least what we would consider not orthodox. Right. Okay. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I'm on the side of, um, Yay, they're on our team now. Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's so such a. I don't like that. Like, what I really think is, is someone like Kanye or someone like Justin Bieber are actually showing exactly the the like. Yeah, Kanye has all this power or not power. He's he's a celebrity, so he has all this money. He kind of has power, has a lot of influence, but also shows that when Jesus picked his disciples, he didn't choose someone that was per- like not perfect but grew up in a christian home and all this stuff he picked a tax collector right he picked a fisherman right he picked people with their past were probably messed up and so when i see this when i see someone like kanye who's now getting all this publicity because he was already getting publicity before now he's using that publicity to share christ and share his faith and the way he's Processing, processing everything. Something that I I've listened to Kanye for a long time, right? Even before Jesus came. Wait, yeah. what? You so, heretic! No, no. But <laughs> this is what some people are understanding: is that Kanye is a very 
weird guy. He's a he's a very smart guy, but he's also weird. So when he's saying these things or saying, you know, um about Jesus and all these things, he's may not the way he says it may not be the exact way it should be said, but what the heck? Sometimes I th- I say things that are sound stupid, but that's right. That's one thought mm-hmm. I've had because people have criticized certain things he said about his faith. He doesn't quite use the right language yeah. or whatever. And I think that's can be a fair criticism given the size of his platform. At the same time, I often think, wow. And, and I work at a church, you know, I read theology books. I preach, I preached this past Sunday, but boy, am I glad I don't have a mic in front of my face 24 seven. Exactly. Yeah. Because even in my life, you would find many, many things I would say that you could point out as inaccurate or at least incomplete. Mm-hmm. That being said, I still think Colin's point about influence is a good one. Um, that, that unfortunately, and I don't mean this as again, this isn't a negative statement against, and we're just using Kanye as an example here. Um, but for a lot of people, their only exposure to faith, their only exposure to Jesus might be through Kanye West's music. Yeah. Yeah. And that isn't. Uh, there can be really good things about that, like you said, because uh, pe- maybe people are hearing about Jesus and his love and his grace and his mercy. But if it doesn't translate into growth, into discipleship, into a local church, then it, it sort of stays at the surface level. I think that's one of the criticisms people have given. Yeah. But- when I think about, so now, not Kanye, but Justin Bieber, like, um, I think they're they're they've handled it very differently. I think Kanye Hanna has handled it in yep. the way like, give me a mic, let me explain to you what's been happening in my life. Okay, yeah. Justin Bieber has actually been taking a step back. The thing they did at Coachella was not professionally recorded. Someone just pulled up everyone pulled out their phones sure. and started recording it, right? And he was just singing and worshiping. And I've seen interviews with him like, you know, where he's crying and saying, Okay, shut off the camera. I don't want to be on camera anymore. Like you you try being a twelve year old with millions and millions of dollars right. and tell me you're not gonna do what he does or did what he did. Like, yeah. if I had a million dollars now, maybe because I'm a Christian now, but if I had a million, two million dollars <laughs> when I was twelve years old, jeepers! Like I'd just be doing everything I wanted to do, and yet people are judging it him as he were still a twelve year old. He's not right. a twelve year old anymore. He's grown up. Like I think one difference with Justin Bieber as well. Uh, is and this is all from my perception that, yeah. that should be said mm-hmm. this is just from us seeing what's online like we don't know these people at mm-hmm. all but with Justin Bieber something that I think is really good and wise that he's done is he surrounded himself with really good people he has a few of these pastors in the states um, he's constantly in Instagram photos with them on his account on their account he seems to have surrounded himself with people who are cheering him on which is good but also helping him grow helping him yes be discipleship and i think that's really important uh, i hope and pray that kanye also has that as he grows in his faith i just haven't seen it to the same extent uh which has been interesting mm-hmm. i don't have a lot of insight into this because i don't follow it to be honest i kind of think he's a person <laughs> yeah. we've kind of hit this mark already like if anyone looked at my life i would not be in this i wouldn't the people would not have the same thoughts either um, but I just think it speaks to leadership. Like you were talking about influence or, um, yeah, looking back on your life or, or the responsibility that being in a spotlight has, I just think we have a, there's a privilege and a responsibility that we have there to know, just to know differently and to know that the things we say really matter and the actions we 
choose to make really matter and the mistakes we make even matter. Like to see that from where I am, just on social media, seeing this stuff and hearing about it, it's very different than when you're actually in those shoes. Well, it's like, yeah, how, like, should we be trying to live like we have a microphone in front of our face 24 seven? Like these people, we look at them and we're like, oh, they did all this stuff. But, um, like as Christians, we should be conscious of that, of like all the stuff that we're doing. Like if, if we had a microphone and camera in front of our face, like all the things that we do day to day, it's a really interesting perspective to look at your day to day life. Be like, okay, where do I need to work on myself? And I think again, I don't think anyone's doubting the authenticity of his testimony. I think what it comes down to, I'm not necessarily defending this position, but I think what it comes down to for a lot of people is, again, he might be the voice that people go, if I'm not a Christian, I hear Kanye is, I might go, oh, he, and this is not a fair thing to think, but I do think it's fair to say a lot of people might go, oh, he's representing all Christians in whatever he says. And again, we're not trying to pick on or bully Kanye here. He's just sort of the most no, outspoken example here. Anybody in power. Like if a mayor sure. runs for like, or somebody runs for mayor and they put themselves as a Christian, right. As a mayor running everything they do. And not saying that Christian shouldn't be in the public eye, but everything they do now becomes, Oh, that's what Christians do. Yeah. I mean, the only spokesperson for Christianity is Jesus in the Bible. Like, right. I think that, like you were saying, Dom, if as a spokesperson, you know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm hearing. It's also because he's super famous. And I know that's the whole topic right now, but I don't know. I'm not, a, I cannot be a spokesperson of Christianity. <laughs> like you come tell me, I'll go and try sharing the gospel to 50,000 people. I'm just speaking too. I'm just talking. Yeah. And I don't think we're called to be spokespeople. I, I think we're just called to live our lives like, Jesus would yeah. and to live God honoring lives and through that discipleship and everything. So yeah, I don't think we need a big spoke like spokesperson. Um, if that's what Kanye wants to do, that's up to him. <laughs> but I think other people are putting that on him more than he's taking it on right. himself. Mm. I don't think he's ever stood up and said, I speak for Christians now, but I think that's how his words are often interpreted. Yeah. In but yeah. he's speaking for himself. Like he's yeah. just saying, mm -hmm. this is how I am now. This is, I've heard countless times interviews with him saying, this is who I am now. This is who Jesus has made me. Right. Like I've gone through so much stuff and now I'm here and this is where, this is where God has put me. Like to me, that in itself is so powerful. Like who, yeah, I don't know. I, my take on this is just very like, he's sharing the gospel and maybe not even the, he's just sharing his testimony. Honestly, mm -hmm. like if I can get on the radio and share my testimony, Sure, I'll do it, but uh, but it may not speak to people the way it's going to speak the way Kanye, because I grew up in a Christian home and I knew Christ my whole life, but I had to make that decision to step into a personal relationship with Christ. Kanye West and all these different rappers say they believe God and they trust God and they sing about God. And Kanye West is now taking this step into sharing his testimony of his personal relationship with Christ. And because his whole life has been on a pedestal. Everyone has seen what he's done. Everyone has seen the music he's put out. And now that he's making this switch. He's sharing his testimony. And people are like, wow, like God took you from there to here. That's amazing. That's so good. Yeah. Because no one is going to go search up. 
a non-Christian isn't going to go Steve Furtick, John Piper. They're not going to go search up these pastors. They're going to see Kanye West. And maybe that's the way they're going to get through a personal relationship with Christ. For this episode's interview, I sit down with Kate just a couple quick things I want to say about this interview. Uh, first, we recorded it over Zoom, since Kate is currently overseas. Uh, so the audio quality isn't great, but I would encourage you to keep listening because it is an awesome conversation. Also, you notice that in the interview, we never say the name of the country she's serving in. Uh, this is just to protect the work that she's doing over there. So I would ask you if you are going to share this episode or comment on social media, uh, please refrain from saying the name of the country if you know it. The last thing is that after our interview, uh, we're going to share a song. Uh, while in the COVID-19 lockdown, Kate and I recorded a song together, even though she was overseas. And so we wanted to share that with you. It's a worship song called Rest on Us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another interview here on Canvas Conversations. Uh, this is the part of the show where I'm sitting down with people from our church community, uh, young adults from our community to learn more about them, to hear about their stories, uh, to hear about how God has been working in their lives today. And today I'm really excited. I've been excited for all of them so far, but today I'm really excited to sit down with one of my uh, oldest and closest friends, uh, someone that I love very much, uh, my good friend, Kate McCutcheon. Uh, so Kate, welcome to the Canvas Conversations show. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, of course. We're so excited to have you. Uh, Kate, let's start with a little bit of an introduction. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you're busy with these days, a little bit of what your life looks like, as well as a couple nicknames that you've had throughout your life, whether you've liked them or not. I can't help but think that maybe I've given you one or two bad nicknames in the past, but um, yeah, take it away. Uh, well, my name is Kate and I'm 29 and I grew up and lived in Winnipeg up until about five years ago when I moved to Asia. And so these days I'm actually living in the major city of the country that I'm in. Um, but for the past three years, I was living in a remote mountainous village. And so this season has been a lot of just language learning and reconnecting with the communities in the city. Um, and yeah, it's been really good and also just hard to make that transition. But yeah, other than that, other little things, I have my degree from University of Winnipeg in conflict resolution studies and international development. And there's, yeah, I don't know if you want to know anything else. Nicknames. Um, <laughs> my dad uh, often calls me Tweety Bird. Um, C-Mac is my street name. <laughs> Uh, and I think one of my favorite nicknames that an, um, an Asian person has given me is in the local language, oftentimes they think that my name is not Kate, but Cake. And so, and then my last name in the <laughs> local language actually sounds like the words I eat. So one of my Come good on. local friends gave me the name Cake. I eat in the local language. <laughs> so often call me 
Kate and then insert local language there. So that is so (laughs) funny. Cake. It was perfect. Cake comma. I eat. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I love that you said C Mac is your street name because uh, I'm sure you remember this, but when I first met you or when we were starting to become friends, I specifically remember your car and in on your car's like dashboard just above the radio tuner, you had this like sticker printout that said dollar dollar bills, y'all. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. It was it was like printed with a homemade label maker. <laughs> Classic C Mac. Obviously super street. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Homemade label makers. Definitely what, (laughs) what sells that. Um, Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that introduction, Kate. Uh, So on this podcast, we're exploring a couple questions each time. And the first one is we're asking people to share about a significant season in their life in the past where they saw God at work. Um, So this could be, you know, a season in the past that was really joyful. It could be one that's really hard, but if you wouldn't mind, just share with us a little bit about a time in your life Uh, where you can look back now and just see how God was at work in your life? Yeah, I love that question. It's also really difficult because there's been a lot of significant seasons. Um, The first one that comes to mind is sort of after I became a Christian, about two or three years into it. um, I think I was around 20 or 21, and I took a trip with the church to Haiti. And in all honesty, I was in the mindset of like, I really love social justice and I want to travel. And it was very selfish, if you will, like Jesus wasn't a huge part of that decision. And, um, and yet he used it so powerfully in my life. And that in that trip, um, I just connected with God in a more intimate way than I ever had and connected with the body of Christ in a more intimate way. Um, up until that point I had been going to grant, but wasn't really connected with the community. And so, uh, there was a lot of young adults on that trip. And after that, um, I remember one night in Haiti, they were talking about their small groups and I just like kind of shyly asked like, Hey, could I be part of something like that? And so after that, I got involved in the small group. It was a small group that you were a part of. And I don't know if you can attest to it, but I felt like during that season, I grew so much, like everything about who God was and is, um, was so exciting to me. And it was also in that same season that I decided to come to Asia on a short term team, which you were on. Um, and just coming here and being so deeply impacted in a way that changed my life forever um, and not being able to be the same after that trip and just really being affected by um, God's heart for the unreached. And all of that happened within a six, seven month period of going to Haiti and then coming to Asia. Um, And so seeing how God was orchestrating my life to lead to living here, was just really impactful. Yeah. Sounds like, and and I remember that season pretty well, as you said, you and I were in a small group together and that's when we started growing pretty close. And I think we grew together. Like, I think I remember that very vividly as a season where I began taking my faith a lot more seriously and kind of out of high school, just starting to make it my own. Um, So I definitely can remember those times that you're describing. Um, Now I'm kind of curious because it seems like some of the more, um, let's say, awakening spiritual experiences you've had in your faith have been not in Winnipeg. 
Uh, what do you think it is uh, about sort of travel or being in a new context or in a new environment that do you think that was part of your just un- re-understanding faith for yourself? Yeah, that's really, that's a great question. I, I think there's something to be said about God calling us to go. And it's not only for the sake of um, sometimes the access that we have as foreigners that can be different, but also the, the vulnerability that comes for, from being overseas or being away from your comfort zone. Like you step out and dependence becomes fully on God. You can't depend on natural things. And let me just have an asterisk on this. Like the local church is very much the answer, but I think there is something to be said. I think God does it for the people that we're ministering to, but then also for us in terms of calling us out to um, more greatly depend on him. That being said, I think that those were merely the catalyst to the times in Winnipeg because then I got to see God at work in daily life and the Holy Spirit prompting me to talk to people in Winnipeg and seeing the need there as well. That was so important. And so they were, they were sort of these huge moments that really fanned the flame to be able to do ministry locally as well in those in-between seasons before I, I transferred overseas. Yeah, for sure. Because as I think about it some more, I just noticed as you were sharing that a lot of the significant experiences you shared had to do with not being in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. But as I think about it some more, maybe it's less to do with travel and more to do with interruptions. Like maybe the, 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 the more significant experiences we have are those catalytic events, like you said, that, that kind of push us into a new area in our faith and our relationship with God. Certainly we grow in our everyday lives. We grow in the daily work of Bible reading and prayer and attending a local church and worshiping. And, but sometimes we kind of need those catalytic interruptive moments, uh, whether it's in a different country or it can happen obviously here, wherever you live as well. But yeah, there's something to be said, I think for those holy interruptions that, that God has for us. Although I'm not always good at being open to those. I I prefer the routine. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, scripture, man, I think that scripture is just full of that. You think of like Moses coming from the Egyptian life, going in and seeing his his people and his heritage and seeing the abuse that's happening. And like, that was a massive interruption to his life. And that catalyst him leading the Israelites into the desert. And there's like story after story of people's lives being interrupted. And I think we think that all of their lives are filled with these like huge mountaintop moments at every step. And yet we're just seeing the glimpses in the in-between these huge interruptions of what God's doing. But during the in-between, like, were they faithful in the daily as well? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly both. It's the mountaintops, but it's also just the prairies, like that kind of what Eugene Peterson calls a long walk in the same direction. Um, Yeah. And it's been interesting to me to watch you find that long walk, not in Canada. Like it seems like you've Mm -hmm. settled in where you're at for, I don't want to speak for you, but for the long term. Uh, and now your sort of faithful long walk in the same direction is happening um, somewhere else. And I, I think that's really um, amazing how God has brought you there and has walked with you uh, so faithfully this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So let's fast forward a bunch of years uh, to today and, and spend a couple minutes talking about what you are learning or relearning in your relationship with God. And we're using that phrase relearning because I think 
for a lot of young adults, it, it's, it's not so much new information about God that we have to acquire. It's that transition from the head to the heart and that kind of relearning process. So today, uh, as you're walking with God today, what are you learning or relearning about him? Yeah, I think there's, there's sort of three main things that I've been thinking about. Um, and the first one actually started last summer. Um, there, I had a week in the village when I was really sick and sort of nearing the end of the week on a Thursday, I came out and from my village, you could see sort of a mountain range and in a very sort of Christian cliche way, I felt like the Lord had said, like, are you ready for me to take your faith higher than these mountains that you see? And I was so sick at the time that I was just like, okay, and didn't really, you know, fall on my knees and, <laughs> and like, beg God to show me what he was talking about. But I think I, subconsciously, I assumed that that meant I was going to begin to see miracles and the church beginning in the, in the community that I was a part of and that my faith would grow by seeing, which is so silly of me because that's not where faith grows. And then the next day is when our leadership told us we were moving back to the city due to um, some security reasons with the foreigners that were living in the village. And it was such a comforting word. And I was like, man, the, the father is so good to us because I don't think I could have wrestled with such a big transition or a season of lockdown and COVID and being in the city, which is not really where my heart is, um, without that word. And especially our lockdown is going into, I think it's been since March 25th, we've been in lockdown. Um, and I know for a lot of people all over the world, it's been a lot longer, but it's been the word that I've come back to and really meditated upon. Um, and so that's been sort of the comforting word through the season and sort of the, the foundation of, of what I keep coming back to. But God, in the midst of the lockdown, has really been teaching me about um, intercession and prayer and the Holy Spirit. And um, during this time, our staff was talking about doing us a, a series on the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about in Genesis and how it said the Holy spirit was hovering over the water. And I was like, that is such a weird thing to mention in scripture. Like why was it mentioned in the first place? And what was the Holy spirit doing when he was hovering over the water? Um, and so I actually brought this up with my roommate and she was reading a book by Dutch sheets called intercessory prayer. And so we were having conversations about prayer and Holy spirit. And it kind of came to this beautiful culmination of, um, Dutch Sheets talks about how the Holy Spirit, the Hebrew word is like to hover or to brood over. And so the Holy Spirit was actually brooding over the waters. And when I was in the village, I had chickens. And one of the things that I had to learn about in preparation for owning these chickens was that hens can get really broody, which means that like they have you know, when they lay an egg, you need to get that egg out of that nest as quickly as possible, because if not, they will begin to brood over it and they will sit on that egg all day, only leaving once a day until that egg hatches. And they, they see it as their work to birth the, the chicks that are going to be in these eggs potentially. And, um, and what that sheets is talking about is that when the Holy spirit is hovering over the water, he's actually birthing into life the very words that jesus was speaking we know like from the new testament that by his words all things 
came. And so he's like using these creative energies um, to birth into life something like the world. And so I'm, I'm learning about the Holy Spirit and then we're applying it to what does prayer mean and how we are the temple for the Holy Spirit and how in that same way we can hover over people in prayer, if you will. We can birth um, life into them through partnership with the Holy Spirit in the same way that he hovered over the water. We can hover over people. And um, in Titus, I think it's 3, 5, it talks about how it's, we're saved by Christ our Savior, but then it's through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And so we can see that the Holy Spirit's desire is to rebirth and give new life to God's people and then to renew us. And so I've just had this profound, like, depth come into my prayer life as I see and know the work of the Holy Spirit and his, his heart's longing to renew his people and um whether that's believers or non-believers and so that's really created in me a new um a new fervor for prayer but then also I think just intimacy with the father as I was saying with the kind of word about having faith and having my faith grow I just think it all comes back to like this is all about intimacy with God and so I think um yeah, just another, a deeper longing to be close to him and sort of being able to let, let things go or have stricter boundaries in order to maintain that, um, which is not easy for me at all. Um, and so, yeah, I think my heart is longing for that intimacy more so than ever before, um, which has been beautiful in a season where I thought it was going to be really difficult to be in the city um, and not be in the villages with the people that I, I feel really passionate um to reach um so yeah i think that's been sort of a, a couple things that this season has um taught me or the lord has taught me in this season wow yeah thanks for sharing that that's so powerful um I, i'd love to hear a little bit so you, you talk about a renewed fervor for prayer and for intimacy and i love the way you said it like like setting stricter boundaries to maintain that intimacy i think that's so important and difficult and something that we all need to be working on. Um, if you don't mind sharing for you, um, now intimacy with our father is internal, like it's a personal intimate intimacy, but it has external qualities in that we need to maintain it through things like spiritual disciplines, Bible reading, prayer, worship. Uh, and so I, if you don't mind sharing, what are a few ways that you're, um, using to connect in a deeper way, a more intimate way with God these days? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's vital that I'm reading my Bible every morning. Um, I know for everyone that looks a little bit different when during the day you're reading your Bible, but for me, it's important just first thing in the morning I'm spending time. I do the uh, what's it called? Year, a year in the Bible, I think. So I've kind of done a different, a bunch of different iterations of that. Um, and this, this year I'm reading a little bit from the old Testament, new Testament, and then the Psalms. Um, and so I'm reading scripture and then, uh, my roommates and I decided during the lockdown to be fasting twice a week. Um, and so we fast breakfast and lunch, um, for two days of the week. And it's been, I think during the, my time in the village was when I really grew in fasting and just understanding 
um, how that draws us really fast into intimacy with the Lord. Um, and so that's been, there's days that are hard and then there's other days that are just really rich. And I feel like I'm feasting in um, the word and with the Lord, but it's not always consistent um, right. for those who haven't experienced fasting that much. Um, and so I think those are the two sort of consistent things. I also, as the lockdown lifts a little bit, there's a, a prayer and worship room here just down the street. And so I think worshiping, um, like singing and praying with other believers has been really vital and powerful also during this season. Um, <clears throat> and so I think, yeah. And then sort of just supplementary things of listening to different sermons um, via podcasts and stuff like that has also been really, really nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fasting is something that I don't think a lot of us have a lot of experience with. Um, and, but I love what you said, like feasting, we're not just fasting from, we're feasting on, um, but more like cake. I don't eat. Am I right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, that's, that's encouraging Kate. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, and thanks for joining us on this podcast. It's been really great to hear your voice. And although mm -hmm. people listening can't see your face to see your face. Um, and yeah, I'm very appreciative of you and the work that you're doing um, where you are. So thank you for that. Uh, before we go, before we close, uh, do you have any resource recommendations for our young adults? So these can be books or podcasts or, or worship music. Uh, that you've been enjoying in the last few weeks or months? Yeah, actually, you mentioned one of them, um, which I thought is a great segue of Eugene Peterson's A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That is a book that I have been walking through the past year, just like slowly. I feel like I'm just ingesting it really slowly because it is so good. Um, and the sort of subtitle of that is discipleship in an instant society. And so what does it mean to be faithful for the long haul and to, to run the race? Well, um, so I've loved that book. Also, um, why God calls us to dangerous places by Kate McCord. Um, she, a woman who was called to Afghanistan and it's a, um, a book about like when we go through suffering or loss or if we're close to death in the things that God calls us, like, is God still good? Is he still faithful? And why does he call us to those things? Um, what is the purposes of suffering um, for the sake of the gospel in, in a lot of ways? Um, so I've, I've really resonated with that book. Um, and two podcasts that I've been listening to a lot are um, the Bridgetown podcast. I feel like they're John Mark Comer's like daily meditations have been really, really rich in this season. Um, and as well as there's a podcast called the commoners communion. I don't know if you've been listening to it, Dom, but uh, it's by a worship artist and author named Strahan. And he does sort of examine meditative prayer type podcasts. It's less about him teaching and more about him walking you into intimacy with the Lord and processing different things about the Christian faith. Um, and so for me and my personality, I really, really enjoy examine type uh, prayers. It's been really helpful for me to identify sort of what's been going on in my heart and my mind. Um, and so those kind of things, I think with music, I have been 
just listening to sort of what I think everyone else is listening to of like Maverick City music is just exploding and is so good. And I really like Chris Renzema, um, John Thurlow and Harvish Basta have a, a new CD that's super good. So nothing, yeah, nothing super out of the ordinary. I think of what everyone's been listening to. Thanks to social media, I can kind of stay in the loop of what's, what's been exploding. Yeah, I've been, I'm definitely tracking with those podcasts and that music as well. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of music, Kate, uh, you and I recorded a song together. We did. Uh, over the last few weeks. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to end our podcast with um, our version of Rest On Us by Harvest, Bashta, and John Thurlow.
conversations on the not the artist podcast from grant memorial church please make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a show and check us out on facebook and instagram at at canvas gmc am i 40 and designing my future cabin landscape no